0: Although we receive this gift of grace, we all have an appropriate response that we can make and the order really matters. First we receive and then comes our response and that's what I want to dig into a little bit deeper tonight is looking at our appropriate response to the grace of God and when we look at Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it gives us great insight into what kind of response God is looking for us as we first receive this free gift of God's grace. That's what it says. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or in other words, in response to God's mercy, in response to His grace, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper response to the grace that God has given us. So the context of this verse, see what's the first word of this what's the first word of this scripture? Therefore. Thanks, Dave. I got I got told by a preacher once, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you gotta see what it's therefore. That's right. Eh? There you go. And so it gives you a bit of a bit of a clue to, to the context. And so the context of this is the previous eleven chapters, the author went to great pains to lay out the grace and the gift, and the mercy of God. 11 chapters full, explaining in detail about the mercy, and this gift of God's grace to us. And now, there's a response that God is leading us in. See, this letter was to the Jews in Rome, and they used to trying to worship God by sacrifices, and all these religious outward, tick-in-the-box kind of things that they need to, needed to do. And it's almost like these Jews were asking the question, well, how... How do we respond to God? How can we worship Him? Do we need to do all these rituals to please Him? And what Paul was saying is, no, 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 no. Just let your worshipful response to God be living as a living sacrifice before God. Our response to God is to live as a living sacrifice. Um, A couple of months ago, we actually gave money towards the people living in the slums of Delhi. We've got people that we work with that are partners of ours in Delhi and during COVID they were in lockdown and they couldn't get out of the slum to earn money and so they were without food. But we have people over there that we knew and as a church we were able to generously give to see whole families, 300 families go and and be fed for probably about a month during the most challenging time. And when we gave that money, after we gave that money and they delivered the food packages to them and everything, they took these videos and they sent it back to us. We're not going to show it now, but their response to this gift, they were just overwhelmed with this joy. They were, oh, thank you so much for giving this food. We're so grateful for what you've done for us. And in Hindi, of course. Um, and it, it was so nice to see their response to this free gift, this free gift that they didn't earn. They didn't even ask for it. But because... You, we, were all motivated by love for them. We sent money for them to be fed, and they were so grateful. And it gives us such a picture of what God is looking for us. There's a free gift of something that we could never earn, and now there's our appropriate response to this gift. And by the way, we're going to be actually taking up an offering for those same people in a couple of weeks in the lead-up to Christmas. Um, You might not think it, but in India it actually gets cold. Uh, right now we're heading into our summer, but they're heading into their winter. And in Delhi, just now we're there for a honeymoon, it gets cold at night. And so we're actually going to get them blankets um, that we're going to be handing out. And so keep a bit of an idea, keep it a bit of an ear, eye out, ear out for that. And so God invites us to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, God looks for us to give everything of who we are, to respond to all that God has given us. When we talk about us being a living sacrifice, he's looking for all of us. He's looking for our whole heart. He's not just looking for us to do ritualistic, tick-in-the-box exercises, but he longs for our whole heart to be a loving response for what he's done for us. Can you imagine um, Jaden giving his vows, Jaden watching, giving his vows to Ash at the altar yesterday and imagine him giving his vows to ash and he's ash i promise to love you to be faithful with you through sickness and in health 364 days a year ash would be like hold on what about 365 days a year and jaden's like oh, that's a pretty good deal 364 what do you think ash's response would have been she be like take the ring off you can have your ring back i'm out <laughs> the wedding is over Why? Because Ash doesn't want Jaden to give most of his heart to her. He's looking for all of his heart. And you know, God doesn't want our religious outward practices. He wants all of our heart, all of who we are, our our warts and all our failures, our successes, the good parts of us, the bad parts. He just loves you and I so much. The only appropriate response that God longs for from us is just, i just give all of of who I am, I'll give to you. I worship you, God. I give my whole heart back to you. No wonder the greatest command for us is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. God isn't interested in our religion. He's interested in our relationship and our response to Him. And so God is a jealous God. Did you know that? God is jealous for your affection. He's actually jealous of your affection, of our attention, of what we give our heart to. He just longs for our heart to be devoted to Him. And so tonight's message is actually going to be titled, The Crucified Life. Oh, everyone say, The Crucified Life. We're going to give you tips to learn the art of dying. Who knew you came to church? Like, what kind of church is this? (laughs) What are we a part of? We're going a little bit heavier tonight. Um, Learn the art of dying and living the crucified life because as an act of our worship and thanks to God, he invites us to live the crucified life, to live as a living sacrifice, pleasing and holy, set apart for him. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says this, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I now live in this body, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Jesus gave his life for me. Now the life that I live, I don't live for me. I live in response to him. I've died, I've been crucified, and now Christ lives in me. You know, when, when Jesus said, come and follow me, pick up your cross and follow me, is Jesus' invitation was for us to effectively, to die. It's, it's our own death sentence to live in the way that we want to live. And now God invites us in worshipful response, not to earn anything. This isn't a, you should be a better person kind of message. It's, a, again, remember, it's in response to the grace he gives us. He invites us to live the crucified life, to pick up our cross, not to live how we want, but to align our lives and say, God, I want to live in a way that brings a smile on your face as number one in my life. Um, the good news is though, our, our death actually equals freedom. Our, our death to the life that we want to live brings us freedom. When you think about it, a, a dead person can't get selfish. Um, Jess knows how selfish I can be at times, only too well. A dead person can't get selfish, a dead person can't lie or, or hate or commit adultery, or whatever, but a dead person is, is dead. But, and that's why Paul was saying, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and we're invited to live the crucified life, to be filled with the wholeness of God. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, Jesus said, if you cling to your life, if you cling to your old life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Who knew that the finding of true life is found in, in our death, in us dying to how we want to live? Now, so often we think, oh, I need to find something out there that will satisfy me, something out there, I need to reach for that, that movie, that perfect movie or the perfect food or, 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 or that perfect drink or um, whatever might be out there, sex or a certain relationship or when I get a job or when I finish uni or when I want to... Life is found out there somewhere, but actually it's not true Life is actually found as we die to ourselves and we allow the living God, the Spirit of God to fulfill us and to satisfy us from the deepest part of who we are. And then God begins to produce the fruits or the evidence of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. The kids learned it in Everlife Kids the other week. Um, and, And this is the kind of life that God produces on the inside of us that's not dependent on everything going well out here, because who knows that we can't control our external situations? <laughs> We're like, yes, none of us had the power to control our external situations. You know, so often we ask God, God, change my situation, change, change my situation. God, can you do a God thing and just change this and change that and just, just that that bit there, God? No, no, no. Here, sort this out for me. Change this. We forget that although most of us want to change our situation, God wants to bring an inward transformation in who we are. And then we're truly free. Then we're free to actually live through every situation, all kinds of situations we can face in life because our peace isn't dependent on what's going on out there, but it's dependent on what's going on in the inside. And our true freedom is found when we die to our own life and we begin to allow the life of Christ to flow up within our hearts. But in order for something to to change within us, something has to die. And so tonight we're going to have a look at three ways to live the crucified life. I've drawn some ideas from Pastor Chris Hodges, the pastor of a church in America, Church of the Highlands. And so there's three chapters in Galatians that talks about us being crucified in some way. So crucified three ways... It's Really inspiring, isn't it? What an inspirational message <laughs> on crucifixion. Great. Well, three ways to be crucified. The first way is we need to crucify self. We need to crucify ourselves, or our flesh is the spiritual, biblical terminology, or our passions. Um, Galatians chapter two verse 20, the first one again, "I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me." i die to the way that I want to live. Who likes driving here? Who likes driving, Put your hand nice and high? I like driving. Who likes going like a long drive? I love a nice long drive. I love to, I do prefer to drive. Um, every now and then Jess does drive. Jess has improved in her driving skills. <laughs> Early on in our marriage, there were a few curbs that we became quite intimate with. As we rounded corners and like islands in the middle of the road, and Jess has definitely improved a lot. But but I do like to drive. I don't know whether it's control issues or something that I have, but I I really enjoy driving. But you know, some of us like to drive our own life too much. We like Jesus to stay in the passenger seat. Um, But what we need to do is crucify self and go. Okay, Jesus, you take the wheel. You're the one who has the big picture. God knows the future. God knows what's good for us. He's got a great GPS internal um, uh, thing going on. Um, and He knows the way and what we need to do is trust Him with the wheel of our life in order to, for Him to lead us. And so we need to crucify self. I don't know what, what it's like for you, but sometimes at church I can be like, yeah, thank you God, I feel, I feel great, I feel the Spirit of God. I wake up Monday morning and pray to God. I get in my car and I start singing and And all all of a sudden, like the other day, someone pulled out in front of me and I I had to wait about one and a half seconds. I couldn't believe, like I was angry and all of a sudden someone reached across and beat the horn. I'm like, who was that? I looked, no one in the passion, no one in the, looked down, oh, it was me. (laughs) Right, my, right, I'm not dead. It's like, I got out of the coffin, I was like, beep! like, whoa, okay, right, Shapin's very alive. Now sometimes we need to like die and allow the fruits of the spirit to come up and bless them in Jesus' name. <laughs> we just we like to live a little bit too much. Um, Galatians chapter five verse thirteen, all the way through to sixteen, it says, "For you've been called to live in freedom, my dear brothers and sisters. Freedom. We've all been given freedom. How? What way are we going to go? Who is going to live?" This life, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom in in a productive way to serve one another in love. Like going, yes, you can take 1.5 seconds from my life. (laughs) We're free, we have the choice to use our freedom. The next few verses down, it says, For the whole law can be summed up in one command, Love your neighbour as yourself. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let Jesus have the will then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In other words, let the Holy Spirit take the will of our lives. Let's live a crucified life. You know, one, I think that one of the key things that we need to be, uh, to crucify is our right to be offended. Have you noticed that there's a lot of people in the world that have become professionals that being been offended? Lots of subgroups and things, and I know we, we love to be offended. There's, the great thing is, if you want to be offended, there's so many opportunities to be offended. Like, if you hang around with anyone too long you will guarantee to be offended. So if you want to live the offended life, oh, there's so many great opportunities. You've probably been offended at me at some stage, hopefully not tonight or someone else. But even in church with Christians, we can be offended. But the thing is when we give in to offense, when we're very alive, um, then it can literally do that, build fences around our lives. It can shrink our lives right down. But God wants us to value our relationships with each other more than our right to hold on to offense. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, and it says, A brother offended, or a sister, a brother offended is harder to win than a fortified city. Have you ever experienced that when someone is offended with you? It's no matter how many nice texts or messages or likes you give them, it's just like, poof, no, you're not getting in here. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. When we, when we are offended and we allow offense to get in, we literally shrink our lives down and we build walls around our lives and we constrict and constrain ourselves and rob ourselves from the opportunity to step into the wide paths, to the wide um, things that God, the good things that God has for us in our life. Um, I've probably told this story before, but um, a few years ago when we were in Melbourne and we put our kids into a new daycare... I remember going in to pick up my kids for the first time and so I was ready and I came through the door and I saw my kids over there and they saw me and they're like hi dad I'm like hi and I'm just about to sort of go through the gate and the person the childcare worker there basically shirt-fronted me she's like you can't go in and get your kids I'm like what and I'm thinking on the inside, I'm like how dare you, I'm their dad, they're my kids, I should be able to go and collect my kids, it was kind of like the me rising up. But I'm so glad in that, in that moment, definitely not all moments, but in that moment, I choose to say, stay in the ground, Chapin. And I was like, okay, okay, no worries, I'll submit to the proper process that I went through, and I'm so glad, so glad I did not choose to be offended at that moment. Because after the process, which was actually for the safety of my own kids, by the way, so I'm very grateful for those proper processes, thank you, God. Anyone can take our kids, which is good. Um, but I'm so glad I just went with that process, because in that moment, that response that I gave her, and then the way that she saw me playing with the kids, actually opened up her heart for us to develop a relationship where she actually came to church, she had a powerful encounter with God where her life was transformed. And even right now, she's studying at Bible College in Redding, California, at Bethel um, for her second year. And, and, and I just imagine what would have happened if I got offended at that moment. Oh, maybe I had to go through the process anyways. Like, oh, oh, just waiting. It's like me being very alive. But it's like, you, know, you just need to stay. Don't let a fence build a fence around your lives. But come on, we, we want to be a church that is just free to forgive each other. To overlook each other's many faults. Overlook my faults, thank you, every single one of you, especially Jess. We, 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 we want to be a free church. We don't allow a fence to build up around our lives. We can do that. Can we do that? We can do that. The first is to crucify self. The second is to crucify our passions. And I don't mean I'm like, I'm so passionate about Xbox or something like that. But I mean, we need to crucify our, our passions. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Just, just think about that for a moment. One more time. Those who belong to Christ have, in worshipful response to the grace we've already received... We've literally nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We make the daily choice to crucify our flesh, our own desires, our sinful desires, even some of our good desires to the cross in order to please not people but God. It's opposite to how the world thinks. So the world will say, hey, whatever passions, whatever desires you have, you go for it. In fact, we'll surround you with focus groups that will cheer you on in your, whatever lane you want to run in, however you want to do relationships or however you want to do life, and we're going to celebrate you to do whatever you feel like. Live how you like. Live free. Do whatever you like. Do whatever you want, and we'll celebrate you. We'll cheer you on. We'll empower you. But do you know what? It's actually not freedom. It's bondage to being slaves to our flesh. To our, we're, we're led by, We're led by our passions and desires and feelings at any moment, but God wants us to live a free life. And who knew again that our freedom is found on the other side of our own death? Crucifying our own desires, our sinful desires. God wants us to live free and make a daily choice to pick up our cross and crucify our passions. You know, we don't we don't want to live according to the principles we want to live according to the principles of God's word, not the pressure of the world. We want to live according to the principles of God's word, not the pressure of the world. Um, I remember for Jess and I, when we moved from Melbourne to plant Everloft Church, we, we had a passion for Melbourne. We love Melbourne, we love the city. We love the footy culture there, the MCG. Just pause. Um, cafes and the restaurants, the people there. We, we had a passion for Melbourne and we thought that we were starting this church in Melbourne. We're like, yes, we saved up a deposit for a house, or a, a large portion of that, and, and that was our agenda. But then because we'd already given Jesus the steering wheel of our life, his desire was, well, good intention, but you're actually going to do it in Perth. And we've got nothing against Perth. We love this city and we're so glad that we've done it. We're so glad that we're here. But I tell you what, but, but it took us dying to our passions and so so we had to in some way die to our own passion for melbourne die to our passion for good coffee <laughs> now there's good coffee in perth as well hey, oh, 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 oh. to cheap 20 dollars tickets at the mcg come on someone rather than you know opt to stadium which is an amazing stadium but how do you get there how do you can you get in there is there a way in <laughs> We, we, we had to die to our passion in one way, but who knew, again, that your, your death will lead to true life? And, and in us dying to that desire and those passions, can I tell you what? What God has done is He's produced phenomenal life. We've seen through the power of God and with the help of a phenomenal team, a phenomenal team and family around us who have seen so many lives transformed by the gospel you know, we've seen couples come together, like Jaden and Ash and other people. In our own life, there's been a blessing poured out in our life that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't of died to our own passions. And so the question tonight that I've got is, what does God have for you on the other side of your death? What, God, what good things does God have for you? Maybe there's particular things, maybe there's things in your life that aren't healthy, that aren't godly, that you're holding on to. Maybe there's even good things that you're passionate about, but God is saying, surrender that to me, die to that. In some ways, we had to even die to our own reputation. We had a bit of a, you know, a a certain reputation in Melbourne that we we died to because who knows when you're going to plant a church, it's like, it may or may not work. And so it's that awkward little in-between stage. We had, there was a death that brought life. And so what things in your life is God calling you to die for in order for you to experience the best, like Jaden preached a few weeks ago, a ripper message of sometimes God invites us to lay down the good things in our life so we can take hold of the best. The third way that God wants us to crucify ourselves is to crucify the world. This is the final one and we'll start talking about life one of these days. Um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 14 says this, Paul says, As for me, may I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, Because of that cross, my interest in the world, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. My interest in this world has been crucified. I've crucified the world to myself. You know, for us, there's there's so many things out there in the world that are good, but it's up to us to actually have a filter on our lives as to what we let in and what we won't let in, what we'll keep out. When we go back to that verse at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, In view of God's mercy, in response to all of his mercy, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, live the crucified life. And then it goes on in the next verse to explain how to live that crucified life. It says, Don't conform to the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So God is saying, don't, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by my word. By aligning your thoughts with God's thoughts, have, have a filter on. What, what thoughts am I aligning? What, what things am I letting into my heart into my world and making sure that we have a God filter on to only let those things that line up with God's words to come in and affect our heart and the good news is is that as we do that then God will show us the good things that he's got for us you know in that verse it says that we'll be transformed into a new person and uh, if you've been around church circles you know that root word is the same word that we use for metamorphosis, which is that process that a caterpillar goes through in order to become a butterfly. If you think about it, this, this, this caterpillar had to go through a kind of death in order to have new life. Here's this caterpillar that once crawled around on the ground, living a pretty small life. Um, it might have been a great life even, but a caterpillar has to go into some kind of cocoon or almost like a coffin some kind of death to its former way of living in order for it to be transformed on the inside so that it can come out as a butterfly and begin to fly. You know, as we lay our lives down and we, we crucify the world, as we crucify ourselves, as we crucify our passions, it's a kind of death that we go through in our lives in order for us to truly fly and become everything that God intended us to. And so tonight the question is for you, in, in your response to God's grace, the invitation is, will you live the crucified life? Are there things in your life right now that the Holy Spirit is leading you to crucify, to get rid of, to cut off in our response, our worshipful worship response to all that God has freely given to us? Why don't we stand up together just in this moment? And you know, I love this song. It just talks about God 's goodness to us. The lyrics say, "You are good. He is so, so good to us. God isn't someone that wants to, to rob from us, but He wants to give us life, but there's a certain process He invites us through in order that we can experience that true life that he has for every single one of us. And so I'd love just to spend just a moment praying with us tonight. Maybe we can just all close our eyes across this room. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit, why don't you open up your heart to the Holy Spirit and ask God, what, what is it that you're calling me to die to? What things in my life have I... What areas of my life do I need to crucify once again? What areas of my passions, the good things, the, those ungodly things? Maybe for some of us tonight, we need to hit that reset button and go, God, I've, I've been a, a little bit too alive, but I, what I want tonight is the life of Jesus to pulsate through my veins. A hunger after the power of the Holy Spirit, the peace that only God can give. Not the peace that's found out there somewhere the inner peace that only God can give. I want to right now you lift your hands up to God if that's you as I just pray for us tonight. Lord God, I thank you so much to every single person in this room, God. And Lord God, we just know that all too often, God, all too often, Lord God, we can rise up, Lord God, and we can be in the driver's seat of our lives, Lord God. We can live in a way, Lord, where we, where we are king, Lord God, where we decide what's right or what's wrong. But tonight, God, we just hit that reset button, Lord God. We, we ask your forgiveness, Lord, and we just choose. Now, Lord God, will we be a church? Will we be a people? Will we be individuals, Lord God, who worship you, Lord God, in response to the grace that you've given us, that we will worship you as a living sacrifice, Lord God, holy, pleasing, set apart for you. And God, I thank you that you don't leave us to do this on our own, but you fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, Lord God, as we lift our hands to you, Lord God, as we we receive your forgiveness, God, Lord, we know that we can't do this separate from the life of Christ. Lord God, we thank you that there's two sides to this, where Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ Jesus who lives in me. And so right now, Lord God, would you fill this place with your Holy Spirit? Every single person with the life of Christ rising up, Lord, that joy and that peace, Lord, that power, Lord God, over temptation, the power over sin, Lord God, and not only that, Lord, but the power of Jesus within that enables us to serve one another with love, Lord God. We say yes to you afresh tonight in Jesus' name.